one thing you should definitely do in spring training is get riled up over the lineup, especially the first game of spring training. So what are we going to do today? We're going to talk about the lineup. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Yes, it's a little bit weird. I'm using a different computer. I'm using a different setup. Let's just knock that out right now. Tech, it can be a pain. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Hey, would you rather have a weird setup or no episode at all? That, that's what it came down to. Uh, very quickly. Uh, I asked that question. <laughs> going off script uh i gotta say i've been having some fun justin and i are both of course leaning heavily into the draft class and i didn't tell him i was going to mention this i just want to say i know everyone's you know uh kind of crudding on this class and again i feel like this is a bit of a recency bias like the austin martin spencer torkelson 2020 class wasn't exactly a stellar class it's just last year's was probably the best class we've had on paper since the 2011 class, which was the greatest of my lifetime. And that makes this one shine a little less in comparison. But one of the fun things with this class and, you know, we had Cole Mathis on recently, go check out that episode is the Cleveland ties and how often I am just randomly finding Cleveland ties. Uh, you know, PJ Morlando's uh, grandfather, grandfather played on the 82 Indians, Bill uh, Nar- Nardoni, I think is his name. Uh, his mom was actually born in Cleveland uh, that year. So that, that's fun. And I just found out uh, a player from Santa Clara, uh, John John Baring, I believe, uh, is uh, his his cousin was uh, J.J. Shirell, who played in uh, the minors, got up to double A with Cleveland, drafted in the late 90s. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting how these draft picks have Cleveland ties. Uh, I just thought it was fun. I think those things are fun. Let me know if you think that's fun. Do you want more like random ties to Cleveland? Is this something or is this just something that minorly entertains me? Uh, uh, John John Baring's uh, cousin also played at University of Akron, even more ties to the area. So it's wow. I don't know. Those things always the ties that bind amuse me. I had someone get mad at me talking to Cole Mathis and using the term bloodlines. It's, it's not meant as disrespect. I just I find these intersecting pathways interesting. It is always something that has intrigued me from the moment I've started covering this. So uh, let me know what you think. Comment below um, while you're at it. Smash that like button. Uh, Cause that's what the kids smash. Sound school... or smash. That, I don't know. That's, that's what the kids at school are saying again. And I'm like, wait, is this what we're saying? Um, so I'm, I'm going to lean into what the, uh, the 12 to 14 year old crowd tell me about YouTube because I, I betting they know more uh, than I. If it works. Keep saying it. Yeah. you won't know until you try that's that's the, oh and you know thank you to everyone for jumping in uh john did confirm his name is john so i wasn't messing that up one of our everydayers uh yesterday's was uh second best episode of the last 10 so thank you all who joined in jumped in and uh and and joined us for a fun discussion we got another one of those today now that i've derailed the show massively yes we have to start over now everything has, has gone off script i am Caught off guard more than I already was <laughs> for where we are right now. <laughs> That's a little behind the inside baseball there. Yeah. Uh, I said, you brought up a good point though. We're going to have, 
uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cross my fingers that this doesn't this actually happens. But uh, we're gonna have Jeff Ponce on next week, another Baseball America writer who is a friend of mine from Prospects Live days. And now that you brought that up about this year's class shining a little less because of how good last year's was, I wonder if I want to ask him this because Jeff covers the minors and he also covers the draft and he does the Cape Cod League very heavily, so he does a little bit of both. I wonder if we if you could somehow take some sort of like pill and just forget about last year and only look at this year, how you would think of the class this year without having last year's class in your mind? Like, would that remove some bias? Would that make you feel better about this class? Like you said, maybe, maybe that's the thing. I don't know. People are saying that because I think the only question is like, there's no clear cut number one and coming into the, at this time last year, Dylan Cruz and, and Wyatt Langford were like, okay, you're pretty sure these guys should, one of yeah. them should go one, one. And then Paul Skeens came out and. Yeah, well, and then know, we had that, um the guy who, who Colorado is going to broke, who I'm blanking on his name, the tennis, Chase Dollander, Chase Dollander. Who was also, you know, yeah. two years ago, Chase Dollander was the one, one. So yeah. that changed, that can change too. But I mean, we, th- at this time a year ago, we had at least two clear cut number ones and you can make a case for Walker Jenkins. And then Paul and, Skeens did his thing this year. We don't have that. But that's like the only knock on the class. I think the the rest of the class actually is pretty solid. And can we also talk about like, okay, you know, for this big, this is a terrible class. 2021, multiple people had Henry Davis as a top player in this class. I was one of them because I thought he'd be cheaper to sign and he was. Jack Leiter has been terrible. Jackson Job looks like he's getting it together. Marcello Mayer should work. Jordan Lawler's looked okay. Colton Kowser is disappointing. Frank Manzikito, Benny, like... That class is terrible. It's like for people saying like, this is the worst class in the decade. I'm like, did you look at 2021? I mean, Gavin Williams has the highest war in the first round. And I'm sorry, Matt, Matt McLean does. And Sal Freilich are the only three guys who have a war over one. It's a bad class. And a lot of guys fell flat on their face in that class. And then let's be honest, 2022 Jackson holiday is great. Okay. But we spent that whole time building up to that class being like, there is no one who's worth the number one overall pick. Like Drew Jones. And redrafting maybe. Jackson would still go number one. I, I mean, he definitely goes number one. But at the time, most people, I don't remember anyone who made him the number one player in the, that class leading up to it. I'm sure you know, some people <clears throat> did late. Yeah, but it was mostly like, you know, the Drew Jones chatter and, you know, the Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, some of those guys. And we'll see how it works uh, overall. But again, this was a class that it's just it, it's an interesting situation. And again, it's not what's in our write up. But I just read more and more and hear people say, oh, it's a bad class. You know, I, I think I was reading a fan graphs or it's like, you know, it's one of the worst classes. I'm like, what about 22 where we literally Jackson Holiday is great now in retrospect. It's great. But at the time, no one knew who's going on because no one stepped up. The college group was so poor that year that there wasn't anyone who who grabbed any attention or you go to 21 and we just talked about how that class looks like an out and out disaster. You go back to 20 where um, Austin Martin had a great year at Vandy, but we know what happens at Vandy and Spencer Torkelson hit a ton of home runs in an extremely home run friendly environment. Like it wasn't exactly a barn burner again. It's, it's more with this baseball draft. It's more of the, um, of late, it's more the exception to the rule. Like last year, you know, it's the, before that you 2019 was last year. You had some really stacked names at the top um, with, with Adley there. And 
you know, 2018 was another year where like I liked Casey Mize a ton, but most people didn't agree with that. You know, Joey Bart's been a disappointment. Nick Madrigal, Alec Baum. It's it, he bombed. You know, this this you can keep going. It's that that's just it's it's weird to hear all the negativity right now. And then we have people who want to sit here and tell us, oh, of course, they're picking first this year. It's a bad year or oh, they're going to use it a bad year and, and not get a good player. It's like I, I think this narrative is extremely flawed. I think we've proven yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I, again, I think that just because right now on February 22nd, there's no clear cut number one player right now because there's no, there's no surefire shortstops. And a lot of the good bats are like corner profiles. They're not center fielders like Vance Honeycutt and Mike Sirota are like the only center fielders that are on, on the board. And JJ Weatherhold is playing shortstop for the first time and he's already hurt. And like, it's just because there's no middle players. All the good bats this class are in the corner, and that makes it everyone question it more because there's more risk. But, you know, I think if the guy can hit, like I've expressed this multiple times, like at the first overall pick, I'm really not worried that much about defense. I'm worried about whether or not this guy can be whoever they pick, if it's a, if it's a hitter, which I think right now we can say it is, unless yeah. major changes happen. Like, just want the guy to be able to be in the middle of your order somewhere in the next five or six years. But also, you can't judge a draft class for at least three years minimum. Guys are moving. I mean, at least the first round guys are moving a little faster, especially if you're a college guy. Mm -hmm. High school, you know, not so much. But you need a minimum, truthfully, of five years to judge a draft class. So, and, you know, I'm willing to give mulligans to all the classes to some extent that were affected by COVID, you know high school guys who got to college or college guys who got extra years or who were battling guys because of the transfer or rule in COVID or, or whatever roles they've introduced. Like I'm willing to like give that in. this class, this college class, I believe was affected by COVID in high school, but they yeah. weren't affected and by COVID. There's, a few, in there's still a few there's, we were talking about Zach Morris, yeah. uh, not from Bayside, but from Duke. And he's one of those guys who was the a, other side of but, the ocean. But uh, before we, we hang this up, just okay. So if you, you and I kind of have Bazana and Kurtz at the top, I just want to read the top three college hitters since 2020 and tell me if you think they would fit with these guys, if they're above them, below them, or with them. Okay. Last exercise, then we'll go to break. Sound okay here? Now that I've completely derailed the show. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, Heston Jurstad, and Austin Martin. I would probably take Bazana and Kurtz over all of them. Like if you get a choice to draft all of them right now, I'd even at the draft time Bazana I would have taken them, but I was I wasn't the biggest guy on on Torkelson. But if you had if you had your choice like today, like hey, these are the guys you can take today to start a franchise. Only these are the only guys available. I would definitely, and maybe that's because that could be recency bias, but that could also be backup quarterback syndrome that those guys haven't failed yet because that's what happens a lot with prospects and. Um, just general guys in baseball, you have, you have backup quarterback syndrome where, Hey, this guy hasn't failed yet. So he's better than what we have already, but we don't know that yet, but we think he is like that. That happens. Maybe that happens in all markets, but I feel like that happens in Cleveland a ton, but um, here's the, here's the next fun grouping. I swear we'll, we'll get to the break just because this one is so, so crazy to get that, the, the 20, uh, 20 class to get to three college bats, Henry Davis, Colton Kowser, And then you have to go all the way down to South Ray, like at pick 15. Yeah, I like Colton Kowser out of that group probably more, but that's about it. Like, I, and I like Sal Freilich, but 
obviously Sal Freilich's not a, a one, one overall talent. I don't even know where, where'd he end up going? Cause I don't think he's even top five talent as much as I like Sal Freilich. He was a first rounder, but he was the 15th overall pick in that draft. That's about right. But he, that was a third college bat. That's how bad that college group was. And right. Exactly. And this, again, this just class shows... is all college bats for the most part. And I understand the, the high school group is weak. And then the next year, Jacob Berry is your first college bat followed yeah, by Ga- uh, Brooks Lee and then Gavin cross. Like three of those guys have been, or two of those yeah. three have been massive busts, but we, yeah. we got to run to break. We'll come back and have our lineup debate. Um, you know, we, we, some other things we had some other things to talk about. It, it's a, it's a fun episode, but I decided I was just going to ruin it all. Uh, have us have an interesting discussion based on, you know, comments that I am getting. Sure. We'll talk about what we're really going to talk about. At least the thing we <laughs> didn't plan on talking about that we are talking about after the break. It'll all make sense. Well, we behind behind the scenes here we didn't plan ahead for this episode at least not for this content if you are someone who also enjoys living by the seat of your pants and not planning ahead to go to sporting events comedy shows concerts uh game time is definitely your app you are that person you should download game time um last minute tickets lowest prices uh fast and easy way to buy at the last minute and they always have good deals at the very last minute as well Plus event cancellation protection. I've needed that more than once in my life, I will say. It would have come in handy for some things I've bought recently. Um, you can also view your seat on the app, too, for, before you buy it. And they got upfront pricing. So when you go to buy a ticket on the Game Time app, you don't have to, like, sit there and pick out a ticket. If it says 40 bucks, and then you go to checkout, and it says 180 You're like, where did that come from? None of that on Game Time. Great deal before you buy it. So if you are a new customer, you haven't used Game Time yet, Take the guesswork out of buying with t- buying tickets with Game Time. Use the app, download it, create an account, and use our code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but create an account, redeem our code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, so now the thing that we're going to talk about that we plan on talking about, but that we didn't plan on talking about. Maybe one of these days that'll make sense. Right now, it doesn't make sense to anybody but us. But um, one of the things Stephen Vo talked about today with uh, the media at spring training was um, where Jose Ramirez should hit in the lineup. They don't really have a, an order set, obviously. Um, they said Stephen Kwan is going to be in left field. They pretty much locked him into left field and, and lead off. No ex- expectations of changes there, obviously. I think we all assume that was going to be the case. But uh, they're going to feel it out with Jose and see what he feels most comfortable with and see what happens. Um, I, I have been saying this for years, going back, I don't know how many, probably since 2018, 2019, that Jose should be hitting second. It might have even been 2017. I can't remember. That lineup was actually good. So maybe it wasn't the biggest issue. But I would say going back to at least 2019, I wanted Jose to hit second in this lineup. And to me, it makes sense more now than ever because, A, you know, there is the old um, study. I know people are going to say, oh, blah, 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 data, analytics, sabermetrics. You want your best players to get more at-bats, okay? And for all those who are saying, well, hitting three, he's got to be in a run-producing part of the lineup. You're only hitting third in the order once per game, okay? You're only guaranteed to hit third in the order once per game. You might be hitting, you know, if Miles Straw hits ninth, you might be hitting third behind him some innings, like, or you might be hitting behind him some innings. So, that's just the way it works with, with things wrapping around. You want your best hitters to get more at-bats. And there's been study after study that shows that 
the second spot in the lineup is the most important. And if you get X amount of number of bats from doing that per year, that's great production. That's what you need, especially for a lineup struggling for runs like Cleveland. And then you throw in the fact that you've got Quan, who's a lefty, who his platoon splits were even last year. They evened out mostly for the, you know, so hard to say where he really falls because he's had a couple of weird ups and downs with that in his first two years. But Andre Jimenez is a lefty, but he also excels against lefties. And then you've got, you know, Bo Naylor, who's going to play six days a week in theory, who's a lefty, who has struggled with lefties in the minors. you got Josh Naylor, who's a lefty, who hit lefties for the first time last year. We'll see if that keeps up. And then at some point, you're going to have comments are in the lineup, you hope. And then, you know, they're working uh, Esteban Florian, who's a lefty. Got a lot of lefties. So you can use Jose to kind of balance that out at the top, I think, and you can sprinkle the lefties out the rest. But I don't know. I think this makes the most sense. I, the hard part to me, really, is like Quan one and Jose two. After that, I, I'm not going to analyze any spring training lineup because I have no idea what this is going to look like. Like, don't ask me to put a lineup together today because I don't know if I could. Uh, I mean, I have a top four just based on last year. Uh, but, it, you know, the, the whole thing is for people who are like, okay, explain this number two thing. The player hitting two on average is going to see 40 to 50 more plate appearances a year than even the guy hitting third. Like that's how many more plate appearances and the, yes, the person hitting lead off will see the most, but you are giving the person hitting tool is the tool hitting, hitting in the two hole is the optimum spot for the most at bats while also having someone on base. It's that combination on base and at, at bats. Um, and it's also, you're getting that guy up with less than two outs, which is also an important part of it too. That is why you want your best hitter in the two hole. It's going to be the most at bats possible while also having a high percentage of chance of a guy being on base because, and I know you're saying, well, what happens if the on base guy gets out? Well, yeah, that's just, that's, that's the first of the at bats of the game throughout the game. There's going to be opportunities where that, uh, he's going to get as many chances as the three hitter often would. Uh, so for me, yeah, I agree. Quan won. Uh, until, you know, we, we see how it shakes out with uh, some of the other players. Jose, too. I, and then I just want to load it up. I want to put my best hitters. So I would go with the Nailers in three and four and just go from there. They were the best hitters. And then to me, after that, there was such a drop off. We can kind of figure out where to go from there. Uh, it does certainly feel more and more likely that uh, Manzardo won't break club with the team break club with the team break with the team. I'm trying to remember where, if I was reading that on a Zach piece or Rosenthal piece this morning, but it seems to be a feeling that is arising. So I, you know, I'd have to really sit down and go through, but they had four, three above league average hitters last year. Um, and it was Ramirez and the nailers. Hot take. I think they'll have more than three this year, but yeah, there's that. And also I want to point out too, when I talk about the study and about, you know, looking at the numbers and how that all works. People, this is not a hypothetical thing either, by the way. Like, it's not like people running hypothetical situations. The numbers aren't fake. It's based off of real life events that happen in games. So, you know, they're running studies of how many times guys are batting second and, and the, the value added. Like this is based on real outcomes of scoring actual runs. This isn't just some fake computer simulation. So, people understand that who don't like analytics the other part of this too i wanted to point out is um your third batter this is also you know kind of from the same study and this is done probably 20 or maybe 15 years ago at this point i have to look it was beyond the box score which no longer exists sadly 
But yeah. your third, your third hitter always hits a higher percentage of the time with two outs. Like think of how often yeah. last year, because of of Andre, of uh, Ahmed Rosario's propensity to ground into double plays, despite his crazy speed. Like Jose hit a lot with two outs last year. Your third hitter does hit a lot with two outs. I would rather have this is going to be wild to some people. I would actually rather have Stephen Kwan hitting third and Jose leading off because Kwan draws a significant amount of walks. He makes contact. He's got a good on base percentage. That gives you a chance to extend the inning if there are two outs. And Jose can do the same thing. But I mean, you want to get real wild. I would lead off Jose. So the other thing put, with, with Jose is, or, is or this. I don't Jose. want anybody. I'll go real well, wild I, after you. Okay. I'll go okay, real wild. I, my, I don't want anybody hitting behind Jose that's going to take away his ability to run the bases too. Because you're how many times did we come on the show last year and we complained? Why is this team not running? Why are they not stealing more bases? That cannot happen this year. They have to get back to being more aggressive at stealing bases. And that is also, I'm not saying it was Jose Ramirez's fault because he did a good job last year, but he's got to have the freedom to do it too. And you can't have someone behind him who's going to take that, that ability away from him. So if he's hitting leadoff, I don't know, does he run more? Especially if he hits, you know, comes up with, with nobody out. He's a leadoff guy for the inning. I know you're only guaranteed to lead off once, but I want to make sure he has the freedom to run when he wants because he, you know, he usually has the green light, but he's also aware of situations and he's also maybe have a hitter behind him who isn't letting him try to run and falling off pitches. So I want him to have that opportunity too because that's what this team needs. So in a wild universe, I would not mind seeing Jose lead off, but I also want to be cognizant of the fact that he is getting older. And if he runs more, you always run into that concern about running down and injuries and, and whatnot. So I don't know. There's a, there's a, a balance to strike there too. No, there, there is one, but uh, you know, part of me is like, okay, put Bo Naylor one. He runs decently, but that's a little too crazy. But I, yeah, I was just kind of curious to go look at sprint speed. And there were two players on this team crazy. with high sprint speeds. And it's like, Honestly, the guy who should be up there is is Jimenez, and I don't think it's it's that mm -hmm. crazy to say it. It's like maybe he should be one, uh, Jose two, two who Quan three. Quan three, you put Naylor at four, and Naylor at five. And I, I guess we are working our whole way through a lineup now, but that at least gives you, you know, I. It's probably their that should be their five best hitters. Um, you can figure yeah, out, yeah. you know, where Loriano, where. Floriel, um, because I don't know, it's starting to feel like he's going to be this team center fielder where, you know, uh, where Arias or Rokio, he's got you he's know, Arias, Rokio, and then uh, whoever's <laughs> playing first base playing right you know, or right field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like Loriano those guys, you just kind of load up further down there. But I think that top five should be that top five. And I, I know there was some talk about spacing the lineup. I hate that. Like let your five best guys, Hit. Especially with with guys like Jimenez and Quan, who didn't you're, have strong platoon splits. Yeah, they and have, you're, you're are pretty good against left. You're a bloop team. You can't space it out. You need to keep the bloops together. You need to get guys on base, and you need to get them on base right away. I'm not against the Bo Naylor yeah. leadoff. That that'd be crazy to do on on March 28th at Oakland or 29th, whatever it is. Because throwing him into that would be crazy. Because he doesn't run like a catcher. Is the thing like his? He's his, He's There's some a, Carlos Santana in that game. Yeah. His sprint speed that worked was tied, out great, didn't it? I mean, he's faster than his brother. He was tied with Brian Rocchio for sprint well, speed last year. And he was just a four-tenths behind Jose. Yeah, Bo's a good athlete. And he yeah. 
he's 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 a little bit borderline passive at times, but yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. I'm against it maybe out of the gate, but that's that's an idea that's you know yeah that that's my get crazy not... idea is eventually Bo Naylor <laughs> may not be bad in the leadoff spot because he'll also work. Counts. The nice thing about having yeah. him there is he's going to work counts and he's going to help you wear down a starter and get to a pen. Yeah, we're going to try to wear down the rest of the show and make it a good one. So stick with us. And let's take a moment and thank our good friends over at FanDuel. Get your buckets with the first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. Uh, before we get into the break, if we have time, I want to point this out. Even with everything that's happened this offseason, to make the ALCS, Cleveland is plus 1,200. Kansas City Royals, plus 2,800. So sometimes spending doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean much. Uh, but in this case, go spend your $5 at FanDuel or, and win and get your $150 in bonus bets. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We can get to the Royals before we get out of here, but uh, we haven't addressed this. We've been waiting a while. We've just been sitting on this because it hasn't come up yet. But the Guardians do have their spring breakout game. Everyone is doing one of these this year. I, mm-hmm. I love this it's idea, good. first of all. Yes, this yeah, is fantastic. It's a great idea. Here's, here's the problem. I've only seen, I think, half of the games have a televised schedule. So like as, as of today, as of February 22nd, I haven't seen anything, and this could change by the time you listen to this episode in the afternoon or at night, because I haven't seen it. So as of February 21st, there's been no broadcast schedule released for Cleveland versus the Reds uh, for the spring breakout game. Great idea, but I'm a little worried about the execution because these are games that I feel like need to be televised. I mean, maybe we're just biased because we, we enjoy prospects. And, you need to but I think a lot of people enjoy prospects. Yeah, the whole idea of this game is to showcase your, I, you know, I, I hate the word showcase, but I'm going to use it here. Showcase. The whole idea of this in, the, in this in this context, it's okay. It's okay right here. In this case, like, it makes sense to put them on TV. Like, you, this is what you're doing the whole game for. So I don't understand why there's not a broadcast schedule for this quite yet. But I am curious to see the execution, how it works, because, you know, the... The Futures game, I love the Futures game. When it came to Cleveland in 2019, man, I uh, I opted for that over going to the Home Run Derby. I know a lot of my friends went to the Home Run Derby and had a blast, but I could not not go to the the, the Prospects game. Like The Futures game is, is by all time one of my favorites. And I am so annoyed that it's down to seven innings and they've diluted it so much. Um, so I'm very curious to see what the execution of the plan is for this game here because is it going to be seven innings? What kind of rules are you going to use? All that kind of stuff. And I want to know who Cleveland's going to put in the game. Like, are we going to see Chase DeLauder? I assume we're going to see him and Kyle Manzardo. But, like, are you going to see Ralphie Velasquez? Are you going to see a Joey Cantillo? Are you going to see a Parker Messick? Are you going to see – I mean, I guess we would see Daniel Spino if he was healthy, but obviously you're not going to see him. But, like, who, who's all going to be playing this game? Because this, in theory, is a nine-inning game right now, and it's two teams. It's not like an all-star game. It's basically prospects. Like, I'm – I'm curious to see who they put in this game and if that means anything. Did uh, you know, who they will, who they're willing to showcase, who they're not. But I also want it to be on TV, and as of right now, it's, it's not. You need to market your next young stars. This is a problem I said that like Cleveland has and baseball has in general. Um, 
Uh, if you read Zach's piece today, I couldn't help but chuckle at the Daniel Espino, who apparently is yoked to the nth degree. He's apparently a little Yandy Diaz walking around down That's there. That's by the way. That's, he's been it, like that for years. He's always but, been like yeah. that. I never got to see him in person when he was down there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, Probably just got bigger, which is crazy. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he worked on the things he could work on. His when he was legs recovering. are literal tree trunks. Literal. Um, But, yeah, no, I it should be on TV. It should be broadcast. They should make a big deal out of it. You need to sell, you know, your young players. Like right now, baseball is doing better. I guess, you know, we did see a lot of things with Julio Rodriguez, but baseball has always been terrible at properly marketing their stars. Like Mike Trout is probably the greatest player in my lifetime. And they've just sat there and let a guy who would be relatable to parts of America, many parts of America, um, just, sit there and not be used to the benefit of their league. Uh, part of that is because he's in a terrible situation with a really bad owner. But uh, part of it is just their inability to properly market and marketing in baseball is maybe the worst of any sport. And it's great. They're doing this, but now they need to actually not just be like, Hey, we're doing it. Like have a plan in place. Yes. Execute the plan. Right. Like, you had a good idea for once capitalize on it. And some of the games are televised and maybe we'll find out closer to the date as of now. Now that's not the case for Cleveland and the Reds. Um, I'm curious to see though, like how they get through this and who they put in it. And if it means anything or not, like hopefully Ryan Webb is pitching. Maybe we'll Dion will pitch. I don't know. I'm excited to see who, who ends up in the game. I just hope we can watch it instead of just listen to it. Who knows? Um, do you want to quickly comment on the Kansas city Royals trade that we both didn't like, or do you want to get to, we haven't done the countdown to opening day yet. And, and you know, no, no one's no one's commenting on the fact we haven't done the countdown to opening day or commenting when we do it. So I said we just have fun with the Royals since I did do the the throw in. Um, yeah. So Kansas City is weird, and I've I've kind of got off a few times. Uh, but again, Zach is you know the best in the business, and he talked about how uh, Scott Barlow got some fix ups from Ruben Niebla in San Diego, and they're doing more work Shocking. here, and it's like. And that's the thing, like we should all be kind of excited for Scott Barlow because Kansas City is awful at pitch to pitcher development. And you and I were talking off air yesterday. I'm like, even if Bieber or McKenzie gets hurt, I probably still take the Guardians rotation, even with its risk over any other rotation in this division. And that's with Kansas City spending a lot of money. Now, theirs might be number two um, from my perspective, but it's all external. It's 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 very little homegrown um, there and trading a a. a relatively well thought of prospect for a a down value year old reliever 30 year old reliever. reliever who peaked two years ago is weird like they're i mean they're like oh we're trying to win now but you're trading a, a guy who could be like a good mid-rotation guy in two years young and controllable maybe one of those stuff maybe maybe, maybe you know what maybe the royals just said you know what we're gonna ruin this guy anyway let's trade him for something we can use right now and if we stink Maybe we can trade Schreiber because he'll be valuable at the deadline. That's my only my thought here is, you know, what we're going to ruin David Sandlin anyway. So maybe we can trade John Schreiber at the trading deadline for lots of for better players than David Sandlin. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that because I thought last year David Sandlin was like in a was on the verge of a, of a breakout. I really liked the stuff and I wanted Cleveland to take him his draft year. But I'm sorry. Like I yeah. said, maybe, maybe Kansas City just thought, you know what? We're probably not going to do a good job developing this guy anyway. Let's get something for him that we can use in the majors. I don't know. This bullpen, all the, by the way, for the Royals is super weird. Like you have 35-year-old Will Smith who 
hey, he's been on the last three World Series teams, so maybe you're looking for some good juju. Nick Anderson, who I who's been nasty but has been hurt. Chris Stratton, I don't know. Carlos Hernandez, I don't know. Matt Sauer, uh, sure. What a weird group. I just I don't see it. Like, I know that people out there think the Royals can can make a run at this thing this year, but outside of they have three hitters I really like, and the rest of it's like a giant question mark. But I can't explain that one. That that was my best attempt at the explanation. I just I don't know. I don't uh, listen. They they need to prove they're going to spend so they can get that brand new stadium. They're doing that. This was I a team. I, I, I think I liked Kylie's comment that it's you know it's great that they went out and spent all this money to still be the worst team in that division. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it's weird. Baseball is weird. Uh, uh, listen, I love. That stadium, that's one of the stadiums that captured my attention as a childhood, so I hope I'm wrong. It is a great stadium. You know, it's that and the cages at, a, at um, Old Tiger Field were two of the ones that really stood yeah. out as good. Uh, but yeah. thank you all for joining us on today's Flight of Fancy show. Got a little weird as we had a long setup with computer issues, but thank you all for joining in, rating, interviewing, downloading, it helps. And go, go, Guardians, go.